everybody and welcome to another episode of the Testing One-on-One podcast with myself and my good friend Joel. How you doing, Joel? Oh, good, Rob. You didn't say who yourself was. No, myself's Rob. Yeah, Rob Lambert. Oh, yeah, cool. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I'm in my new office. It's a little bit echoey. We've just been talking about that. I need to uh, do some soundproofing, I think. Uh, but I've got a new online course coming soon for managers, so I'm very excited. It's basically the last 10 years of my experience all bundled up into an online course uh, suitable for managers. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting it finalized, getting it published. Should be out hopefully by the end of March, I'm aiming for. So very much looking forward to that. What about yourself, Sanjo? That's more or less when we're going to be releasing this one. So cool. Um, Well, working on a lot of practical stuff lately, uh, features that we want to push out. And actually, we did a little bit of modification in our development practice. So we're streamlining a little bit more smaller features together with larger ones. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, We also already started working on the online test comp. We are going to do something. Actually, I'm going to, well, we had posted it, but I'm just going to say it out loud for the first time. We're experimenting because we have been doing the the OTC for a number of of years now. And we try to look at the feedback. And the latest feedback that we got was interesting. People were saying that um, we saw feedback from uh, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and even Asia Pacific saying that they wanted to come, but they weren't able because of the timelines. And even though um, we have recording, it's not the same, blah, blah. And, and we listened to it. And so we're going to be doing an experiment. We're actually going to be having the online test come happening in three days instead of one, instead of two, sorry. And each day is going to be at a different time zone. So they wa- we haven't decided which day is going to be which, but one day it will fit more, for example, uh, Japan, Australia, Hong Kong, stuff like that. Second day will feed a little bit more, uh, let's say, Middle Eastern Europe. Uh, last day is going to feed more the U.S. There were still going to be like times that you can uh, be if you want to be in tour or the three of them. Uh, but the whole idea is to have each of their own. We're going to be encouraging local people to speak at their own time zones. That's going to be cool. And obviously recording everything and sharing everything at the end. So we are trying to change a little bit of the format, play a little bit with more formats. And again, trying to reach more people because we're getting quite a lot of positive feedback out of that. Oh, that's awesome. What do you think? Yeah, sounds great. I mean, that's a, you know, today's topic is actually about continuous improvement. So, I mean, that's a classic example right there, listening to what people want and uh, taking on board and doing the best that you can to achieve that. Sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and... A shout out to uh, our good friend Jesper Otteson, uh, who, first of all, whenever he, he listens to an episode, he always tweets about it. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So, Jesper, thanks. And also, thanks for the Lego stickers that you sent. I gave one to my son and he was ecstatic about it. So, thank you very much. Obviously, for uh, spreading the word of, of, of this podcast, but also for the stickers. Man. Yeah, thank you, Jesper. <laughs> And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you again at the conference. It's been a while since I've seen Jasper. So. Yeah, cool guy. In any case, we're talking today, you, you actually spoiled it, man, you shouldn't. Uh, but we're going to be talking about continuous improvement um, and, and how to go about it. But do you want to intro the topic and what are we going to be talking about? Uh, absolutely. I mean, continuous improvement, you hear everybody talking about it, you know. But in today's topic, we're going to talk about what does continuous improvement have to do with testing. I mean, it's not only related to testing, but it's definitely needed in almost every team. And you know what? Testers are in a really unique position to drive change and specifically sort of uh, improvements around process, the product. We're geared to sort of find things that don't work and to try and improve them. 
And once we know what needs to be improved, it's only natural that we push ahead to make this happen. And there's loads of people talking about continuous improvement at any conference. Get yourself there. You'll hear all sorts of people talking about it. But actually, when you start thinking about it, when you start finding those things that need to be improved, it actually starts to get a little bit more complicated than we might originally think. So that's what we're going to talk about today, continuous improvement and what's it got to do with us as testers. So, Joel, what is continuous improvement? Um, well, you know what? It's it's not very hard from, from what the words mean. In, in, in essence, is to look for the stuff that we need, uh, meaning that, that are not working for us, that are stopping us from working effectively and efficiently, and, and try to find ways in order to make them better. Um, then that's the improvement part. The, the, the continuous part is that once you have made some progress, you need to look again. You need to see if you need to continue working on, on that specific spot. Or if you're okay with it, then look for something else that is worth checking and improving now. So that's that's like the, the long and short of it. But it's harder than most of us think of it. At least it's hard to make it stick. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that many of us, meaning we're very good at, at assessing symptoms. We're very good at treating symptoms. But continuous improvement is more about it. It's more about the specific process, the underlying culture, and, and how do we approach that. And, and that's where it becomes tricky. Okay, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So... Okay, so let's say you're a tester in a team and you've got some areas that you think you might want to improve, but so where do we start? You know, how do you start to understand whether it should be improved or not? Um, well, first of all, you need to validate whether that is something that needs to be improved or not. I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest parts of it because... Sometimes it's trivial and sometimes we'll say, hey, you know what, this is the most uh, urgent thing that, that we need to go ahead and, and work on. But the question is, is it? Meaning if we were to um, fix this, if we were to solve it, if we were to improve this, let's say in 40% or 30% or 50%, would that give us the best change and the best uh, jump on effectiveness and efficiency? And, and let's actually go into, into a specific example. Let's say that we decide that what is actually damaging us the worst in, in, in a development team is that it takes us a lot of uh, interactions between developers and testers to get something done, okay? Uh, so developer writes something, a tester tests and rejects it. And, and they go back and forth like this seven times, eight times, ten times. If we were to solve this, if we were to improve it and, and cut it in half, would it make our lives better? Is that a problem that we need to solve? And it's not a trivial solution, meaning even if the case that I just specified here, it's not trivial to know if that is something that you need to actually go ahead and do. So how do you know that? Hmm, I think, do you think it relies on you knowing where you're trying to get to? Um, You know, having a sort of, I suppose you could call it a mission statement or a vision of what you're trying to actually achieve. Because I remember going into an organization and my goal was to turn the organization agile, so to speak. Let's, Let's just call it that. We know... We're not fans of that word. But let's say that was my goal. Um, but someone else's goal was to go in and say, well, we just need to make it better and stick with the waterfall process. There's two very different approaches. Do you think you need to know where we're trying to get to in order to know how and what to improve? Well, I think that, first of all, turning agile or sticking to waterfall shouldn't be the goal because it doesn't make sense for it to be the goal. 
Meaning the goal should be to gain more value and the process that you're using is not going to gain more value. You might say, hey, you know what? My goal is to release products uh, faster, to increase my cadence uh, in order to release every two weeks or four weeks. You know what? It sounds like Agile might actually do a good job of that better than Waterfall. If, if Let's say if, if, all, if all goes the same. But if, if the, the issue here is that you need to release a very good product to NASA, that it needs to, to work with all the standards and it needs to be methodologically done and, and tested thoroughly, you know what? I might go with Waterfall there. So the, the goal can never be, well, <laughs> you mentioned Agile and Waterfall. That's a very tense uh, conversation because people give superpowers to Agile and think that Waterfall is, is the source of all evils. Absolutely. Um, but but I think that we need to, that's actually the point. You need to try to understand how are you going to be able to improve the business. And let's go over to the business. Meaning, if even if, if you're not an NGO, how do you make more money? And if you're an NGO, is how do you do more with the money you have? Yeah. But, but it's that part of the improvement. It's not to improve something superficial. It's to improve something that matters. And, and by the way, I... It, we're beating around the bush too much. I think that the best way to, to do that is basically to have a good conversation with the stakeholders that matter. In this case, you know what? Go as high as you can. Um, and and it's, it really depends on who you ask. So if you will be asking, for example, customer support, they will tell you, hey, you need to improve the quality of the product and the, the, the speed with which you reply to us. And if you go and you ask sales, they will say you need to improve uh, the speed at which you release more features. And if you're going to be asking professional services, they will tell you you need to improve uh, the way in which you answer to our, uh, to our questions and, and get back to us. So you will need to go to a place that actually oversees as much as possible or at least to have as many of those people in the room when you're actually trying to decide what to improve or not. Because at the end of the day, we all work in businesses. And we want to maximize the value of the business in that case. So that, that is the improvement that we, at least I believe, we need to strive to. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's actually going to find out what's actually important to customers, business, stakeholders, but then also not being shy away from putting forward your own ideas for improvement around the, for example, the development process. Absolutely. And then it just needs to come together as a kind of, here's what we're going to do and here's where we are and here's where we're trying to get to. You hit on something that I want to sort of dig a little bit into here. So you hit on um, improvement being methodical. Um, why is that? Can't we just randomly go around and improve stuff? Um, you know what? I'm going to go over to, to what I said before. You don't want to treat the symptoms. Um, you want to treat the ailment. Okay. And that is where the, metho the metho methodological approach actually goes into. Um, also, improvement, it takes a lot of time to for it to stick and that mm. is also the methodological part it's not to say hey um we have too many open box uh, just to give a, a very lame example but very easy to, to to measure so uh we're releasing the product with too many escaping defects okay so we need to improve them on escaping defects if you're going to be looking into escaping defects only in one release uh then most probably the second release they will go up you need to do it one release second release, third release, just to make sure that you're making a change that sticks because it's easy to change, it's harder to make it stick, mm. okay? And, and even if you look at yourself, hey, I'm going to diet. So the first three days are very easy. 
and you go next to McDonald's and you say, no, I'm not going to enter. But look at yourself three weeks from now. That's when it counts. That's where the methodological part, methodical part actually comes into place. Mm. Because at the end of the day, we don't need to improve only the numbers. We need to modify our behavior. Okay. And it's really, really hard to do it. It is. It is. And I think that's a key point is, yeah, I mean, you can, you can achieve almost any improvement you wish, but, you know, you might behave badly or treat people like uh, rubbish in the process or skip corners or do things, you know, in order to achieve that sort of uh, surface level improvement. But, you know, real improvement comes from shifting the behaviors as well. And I think as well, there's a worry that certain, you know, if you don't do it methodology, methodology, I can't even say it either. If you oh, do come it, on, uh, man. I'm a Spanish speaker. You're an English speaker. Do it right. No, if you can't improve it carefully, <laughs> then, um, you know what, you, maybe you're taking on too many things as well. You know, I see some teams, they're just trying to improve the whole world all at the same time. And it's just it becomes sort of hugely overwhelming. And they often have no idea what's actually improving and what's not. So, but wait, wait, don't go too fast because you actually hit something that is very important. You should not try to overtake too many things at once because then you won't do anything. Um, if you're going, if you know that you have issues, you should try to improve one, maybe two. You know what? I'm going to give you a lot of credit, do three. But if you, you won't become Cinderella overnight, you don't have a magic wand, it's not going to happen. And usually, usually, you don't need to do everything because. Um, you will get a lot of gains from one improvement and two, uh, and then actually reevaluate where are you and what do you need to improve? Because you know what, that, that's the main part of it. You need to always to know where you are in order to know what do you want to improve. Cool. Sounds good. So um, surely we can just improve stuff though by just working harder, you know, putting more people on it, you know, maybe fixing some of those superficial things, you know, even Basically, you know, I've seen people do retros in uh, sort of the agile world and list a whole load of things, stick them on the wall and go, great, we know how to improve. Um, what do you think to that? Do we need to just sort of work harder or do we need to actually? Um, you need to understand what is going on uh, because you don't want to improve the measurement. The measurement is only, meaning if, if, if you're sick and, and you know because you have a fever, you shouldn't treat the fever, you should treat the ailment. And that's why some people even go as far as not treating the fever and you shouldn't do unless it's, it's important. Um, so in here, for example, if you see a symptom in your process being that, uh, you know what, we have too many rejections, too many rejected bugs and too much uh, bugs being opened forth and stuff like that, you shouldn't strive to fix that. You should look and say, hey, you know what, Let's, why is it happening? And then you realize that, you know what, we don't have a good communication culture between developers and testers. Oh, let's look where else do we see this. Oh, we see this because uh, the design, actually we get a lot of feed, late feedback on the design of, of user stories. So you start realizing that you have three, four, five behaviors or three, four, five symptoms that actually map out to one cultural change to be done. Oh, that's your improvement. Okay, so it's it's not about meaning when you do the retro, it's going to be a great tool to understand if there is an issue. What issue it is and how to treat it, it will usually take a little bit more digging around because people don't want to accept their issues and their problems. So you will need to become a little bit more of a team psychologist in that sense, maybe a coach if you want. By the way, it's also legitimate to try to get some external help. By external help, I don't mean... Uh, getting a coach, but maybe, you know what, bring a scrum master from another team to do a little bit of facilitation in order to try to understand what is going on here. 
someone who's, a, who's not biased towards any one of the sites. But yeah, don't improve the symptom, improve the underlying ailment. Cool. So, you know, what we've talked to a fair bit about, you know, how to kind of look for stuff. We're going to dig a little bit into that in a minute. But you know what? We're trying to build a list of improvements. We're probably going to have more than we can ever realistically tackle. And you know what? We want to be picking the one or two things that are going to bring us the biggest bang for the buck, so to speak. But how do you get that data? I mean, you talked about bringing in a scrum master who could do some stuff, being a sort of team psychologist, sort of studying. You know, <laughs> let's 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 give people something. You know, three or four things that they can actually go away and do to understand where their problems really are, not just those superficial feelings, but actual real tangible problems. Given that you're more of the team consultant than I am, I'm going to let you lead on this one. What do you think <laughs> are the best methods? of gathering that information. Okay, so management 101 is you go and ask your team. Now, whether you're a manager or not, you can do this because the people doing work will always know how to improve it. And those things that frustrate them during the days, those things that frustrate passionate, motivated people and stop them from doing what they're actually at work to do are potentially really, really big value areas to start digging deeper to understand what those problems are. So ask the team, you know, ask managers, ask stakeholders, ask people who consume what it is that you create. So if you create software and you put it in production, go and have a chat to operations, go and have a chat to support, go and have a chat to, you know, uh, professional services like we've mentioned at the top of the show. Okay, so consult with your peers, your teams, anybody that you interact with, anyone that consumes the things that you create, because no doubt they'll have some great ideas on things that they wish were better. Uh, now, you still have to be somewhat careful with some of that stuff. Take it with a pinch of salt, find the data, but also really, really make sure you gather enough of that data because it can be quite very insightful. So one of the things I talk about is we don't talk about value stream mapping because it's a bit geeky and it turns people off. But what we do talk <laughs> about is we talk about stapling yourself <clears throat> excuse me, to a piece of work. So what this means is like staple yourself to a requirement or a user story or a customer issue or something. Obviously, don't physically staple yourself to it. Yeah, um, I was a little bit worried about the method that you were in. No, we're we're okay. very much talking metaphorically here, stapling Thank yourself you. to a piece of work. And one thing that we do, almost the first thing we do in any business that we help is we get that staple. We staple ourselves to a piece of work and then we map it out on the wall and we show people that entire process that that piece of work goes through. And that visual cue, that visual image on the wall of the process can immediately, you'll see some things, you'll be going, oh my God, why do we do that? Or we're missing a piece here, or this takes far too long, or why do we have to wait for Bob who's off sick and nothing happens? You'll start to see what we call the bottlenecks, the handovers, the delays, all the other stuff that we'll see. So it's a really good way of doing it. And immediately, if you get everybody around it, you'll start to see some real opportunities to improve. There's another saying that we have, which is called discipline equals learning. Now, if we follow the processes and we follow them, even though they might not work, we can understand what does and does not work. If what we do is complete randomness and everybody has their own way of doing what is pretend, you know, potentially the same work, then we'll never quite know what works and what doesn't. And we certainly won't know whether improvements we make to it have made a difference. So discipline equals learning. If you've got a process, follow it, even if it's not optimal at the moment, because then you get an opportunity to improve it. And then obviously there's another one, people probably heard of this, it's five whys, it's root cause analysis, many ways to do it. Five whys is a pretty standard one. And you want to be asking uh, why five times to anything that goes wrong. So you know what, you ship some code, it had a bug in it, why did it have a bug in it? Because we found it, but we didn't uh, fix it or whatever, you know, and you follow the path through. 
Now, the thing to remember with this one is most people get to the root cause and try and fix that root cause. Yes, you should do that. But every time you've asked why, the chances are you've got a process failure there or a person failure. It's not a witch hunt. You need to do this very carefully. But every time you ask why and we say, well, we didn't have this meeting or we had this meeting, but it wasn't effective. They are opportunities to improve the business. They're opportunities to improve the process. So it's really important that you follow those whys and then you improve the bits that have allowed that thing to escape into production or fail the system or whatever it is that you're investigating. So there's some ideas for you. Um, and you really want to be sort of cataloging these things, pulling out the ones that are going to give you the best value. And then that's where you want to focus your attention nice and carefully. And with the team, with the people who own or work in those processes, because you know what, if you're going to change somebody's work, you're going to change the way that people work. You need to have them as part of that process of improving it at the same time. So there you go. I'm off my soapbox now, Joel. What else? <laughs> well, you know what? For me, it's actually the first one because I think that, as you were saying, if you have been working in something for a long, long time, um, you know what sucks and what doesn't. And I think that many times we just underestimate that. And if you're going to be improving something, one of the biggest issues that I see is when you go and you ask someone who's too high up the food chain um, and they're not even aware of the issue. So go ahead and ask the team. Go ahead and ask the people who are doing the actual work. By the way, and here you need to be careful because they will tell you stuff that is like trivial um, and it's very, very low level. So you need to take that as inputs and then look for the stuff that you need to actually go ahead and, and fix. Okay, but it's, it is important. Uh, to to go to the roots and try to understand, okay, people, tell me, what do you think we should actually do here? Most yeah. times they will know. I think there's, a, there's an important part here. If you're new into a team, um, one of the things we talked about at the top of the show and what we're big fans on on this podcast is we talk about behaviors. And if the behavior in an organization is that nobody ever listens to you or it's not a great culture to stick your hand up and go, I think there's something wrong here, and you're new into a team and you're aiming to change and you've got a very different approach, you still might not actually get anything back because people are just sort of almost conditioned to, to just ignore stuff and it's like an apathy. People kind of just get used to it. So just be aware of that if you're brand new into a team that actually, you know, it might take a little bit of relationship building, a little bit of demonstrating that you're actually serious about this. There's a lot of initiative fatigue going on in businesses where they're trying to do agile. Now we're doing Kanban. Now we're back to waterfall. And it's, you know what, people start to have a level of apathy, which is just the way it is kind of thing so just be cautious with that and spend a bit of time trying to tease that out but they absolutely know how to improve stuff on the other hand um when you're fresh and you have fresh eyes and you haven't been gotten used to, to the crappy works of ways of working then that's when you can also bring good ideas and change ideas so I'm, I'm, i mean don't do it on the first day yeah. but it, it it's okay if you've been here for a month and you say hey this doesn't make sense. And maybe people keep doing it because that's the way that we've been doing it for the last three years and, and why change it now? So it's basically a, a balance between wait a couple of weeks, but don't wait too long or you'll get used to the same old crappy way of working. God, yeah. I mean, as a consultant, the only measure, well, not the only measure, but one of the most important measures of my success is that I don't start to exhibit the behaviors of the team that I'm brought in to try and change. Because I think as soon as you do that, you start to become part of the problem and, and that's really not a good place to be. Okay, cool. So we've talked about, you know, finding those issues, uh, working with the team, understanding maybe root cause, discipline, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
we've talked a little bit about how you can't improve it on your own. You've got to involve the team in that. But how would you actually then articulate the improvement? You know, how would you brag about it? How would you show off about it? How would you articulate in a positive business focused way that these things are making a difference? What would you do? You remember the last podcast that we recorded previously? We were so. talking about metrics and measurements. Um, I think that it's important when you choose to improve something, how do you know if you improve it or not? Set up a set of indicators that will show that we're doing it better. And if we just digress a little bit to the metrics um, podcast we did uh, some time ago, it shouldn't be one measurement. It should be a set of metrics that will give you a multidimensional reading that what you're doing, not only is it correct, but you improve the whole process and not only the symptom. Okay, I didn't lower the the, the heat, meaning my temperature, uh, and, and continue the ailment. No, no, no. We actually made this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, that other symptom go away. And so we can assume that we actually solved the issue at hand. So try to look at that. So if you have a communication issue, look at all the different aspects that makes it obvious that you have the communication issue. Measure them all. By the way, don't measure them as we mentioned in one sprint. You will need to measure at two, three, four sprints and make sure that you don't digress to your previous behavior. Absolutely. That's going to be very, very important. Coming back to what you said, you know, if you're new into a team, don't try making changes on your first day or even your first week or even potentially first month because you've got to get those measures. Otherwise, you don't know whether or not there's even a problem, let alone whether or not you've actually improved anything. And those measures were, you know, the previous podcast, we talked a lot about trends. Um, really important that you're not, you know, making a change and it trending in the wrong direction, which I've seen many, many people do. Mm -hmm. So, and again, you will need to get the whole team to work with you. Uh, in the U.S., they'd say it takes a village, I guess, and that also in the U.K., and, and that basically means you're you're not going to be able to do it alone, okay? Especially if you're talking about behavior changes, there's no way one person will change the whole behavior. One person can be the trigger, the example, the uh, leader of the pack, if you want, but unless you get buy-in from everyone and unless people are willing to take the price for change, it's not going to happen. Okay, so in this case, remember, you're working as part of a team and it will take, I'm not going to say the whole team, but most of them, if you want to make this stick. Make it happen and make it stick. Two yeah, separate things. Absolutely. But, but why us? You know, if we're a tester in a team, why should we do this? Um, you know what? Because we are measuring all the time. We're benchmarking all the time. We are at that conjuncture where we see the actual results of the work being done and we, whether we want it or not, we grade it, we review it and we grade it. And even if, if we don't do it ourselves, we will be the people who are responsible for having others doing it. So we are at that conjunction when we are better suited for that. Okay, so th that's like the first thing, the trivial thing without having anyone else talking about it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're the quality person on the team, you know, and in some respects, you know, whether we like the word quality or not, and I know there's a lot of contention around that, you know, what we, we shouldn't be just limited ourselves to the software itself. We should be looking at the process and the way to work in and all the other things that we talked about in this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you're a big fan of the modern testing podcast. Yeah, and I was about to bring this up. And and if, if you listen to the A-B testing podcast, if you listen to only one podcast, leave us a site and go to those guys because they do a lot better job than we do. Um, those are Alan 
Page and Brent Jensen. They have the A-B testing podcast. And they are also the originators of the Modern Testing Principles. And if you haven't read that, go to moderntesting.org and take a look into that. They have some principles and, and some pretty um, smart stuff. And and principle number three actually goes directly into what, what I, we've been saying here. That uh, j- Just to mention what they have in there, principle number three of Modern Testing says that we are a force for continuous improvement, helping the team adapt and optimize in order to succeed rather than providing a safety net to catch failures. What these guys are saying, and again, it's a, uh, it's a whole set of uh, ideas in there. By the way, the first one is that uh, we're here in order to uh, improve the business value of our teams that we also mentioned in this podcast. But what they're saying is, if you're going to be doing only one thing, the biggest value that you can have is not to go ahead and catch all the bugs in the product, is to make sure that you're improving the process of how you develop your product so that those bugs are not going to be in, inserted in the first place. That's only one example. But what they're saying is, it's better to focus on the quality aspects Meaning, how do we improve the way we work? How do we become a force of continuous improvement within our teams? And I think they're onto something. If you look at it, it's a lot more effective to work well than to work bad and catch all the bugs at the end. And, and that's only one example of what we should be doing in here. I couldn't agree more. And actually, if, you, if you're not a tester and you're listening to this, it applies to you too. I mean, that's just the... You know, part of being a modern employee is that we're all responsible for continuous improvement. But the tester's very unique position to be able to do this. All right, Joel, we're coming up on time. Any final thoughts, comments, queries, or concerns? No, and you know what? And I, whenever I talk about modern testing, I say that that's actually the epiphany of, of what I came here to do. I'm an industrial engineer by by education and for me it was always frustrating that we need basically to mop up after the stuff of the team it's better to work on the processes and continuous improvement and having legitimacy in order to do that and doing that as as a quality person within the team that is what we should be doing that is the important if if we have the urgent and the important this is the important part and we should be focusing more on that so i i like it i think everyone should Absolutely. I remember my first job, I remember uh, sat there receiving the software going, why am I waiting this far in the process before pointing out how bad this is? Um, so yeah, it's an immediate sort of way that we can start looking at the world. So another good podcast there, Joel. So thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. You know where to find us. Uh, hit that like button on uh, wherever you've downloaded this podcast from, if you like it, of course. Also, mention us, guys. Talk about us in Twitter, Facebook, uh, anywhere else you would talk about and recommend us to your friends. We actually really like it in your comments, so go ahead and do it. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like us, as Rob said, leave us a comment and leave us a, a grade in your podcasting platform. Cool. Until next okay. time, Joel. Until next time, Rob. Thank you very much, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.